What's up, race fans and daily fantasy sports fans? It is your boy Taco back at it again, getting NASCAR back on track, literally back on track. Finally done with uh, the iRacing fun, and this upcoming Sunday, we've got we've got the biggest NASCAR contest of all time, and uh, in this podcast, I'll be going over. A uh, general strategy, and uh, you know what to look forward to. Uh, a little primer on uh, NASCAR scoring and all that. Just uh, a little refresher course for you know those who haven't played in a while, and uh, just some helpful tips for guys who are uh, who would maybe normally never play NASCAR, but you know since it's the only show in town at the moment, the first sport to make a big uh, comeback here. I thought I'd share some of the basics with you guys, and just some of the stuff that you need to know uh, for this race coming up. Uh, I'll be, I'll have another podcast for uh, the DFS Army VIP members, uh, the Tacos Fast Forty, where I go over all forty of the drivers in the field uh, and go in depth with them. Uh, this one, just a little, a, a bit of a sneak preview, but just an overall um, breakdown. Of the slate, what to expect, scoring, all that stuff. And, uh, of course, you can access everything that I'll be referencing uh, today and gain access to our lineup optimizer, uh, the cheat sheet, notes, again, the the full Fast 40 pod. All that is available at DFSArmy.com. Promo code TACO to get you that lifetime 20% off. Uh, we cover... Every sport, you know, we've been covering League of Legends, Korean Baseball, you know how it is. We cover everything that is available for you guys uh, to to attack during these these trying times here with uh, most of the sports being gone. Uh, but it's been a lot of good fun so far. You know, had a ton of fun at this last League of Legends slate and really, really looking, looking forward to NASCAR coming back. Had a good amount of success in the iRacing series, actually. Um, although, th- of course, going back to normal racing, it's going to be um, weird for people who had never played before until this iRacing stuff with, you know, no other sports really going on. And then all of a sudden seeing Timmy Hill go from 12,500 to 5,200 and being an absolute, like, must-not-play sort of thing. Um, now, I don't, I don't think that... Too many people are going to be overreacting to uh, the iRacing stuff. It's just a funny uh, situation we've got going on here. Uh, so, like I said, these are the biggest contests ever in the history of DraftKings NASCAR. Uh, not even close. The big $10 race, the winner gets 200000 Second place gets 100000 I'm pretty sure 100000 is the most that's ever been given out. I think it was like a, a Daytona or something. Uh, Talladega, maybe, where uh, we had the firecracker that paid out like 100k to first and maybe like 50k to second. But uh, these contests this week are just absolutely massive across the board. You got no other sports competing for the limelight. Going to have way more people playing and a lot more casuals playing than usual. So um, this week, I think ownership is going to be crucial to figure out. And it's going to be different than in a normal NASCAR week like you might be used to. 
Uh, it's because, obviously, a large chunk of the field playing are not your daily, or uh, weekly, I guess I should say, uh, NASCAR regulars. You're going to have a lot of people, and most of these people, quite frankly, are going to be going off of optimizers. And I think it's a really interesting approach this week to uh, kind of reverse engineer that a little bit. I think there are two ways that you can attack this slate. Um, there's the safe way, which is playing a lot of the no-nonsense, chalky, good plays. Um, it's a little, a little obvious, some of these plays that you're going to be making this week. A lot of guys just stick out because of the random draw that they had for qualifying. And uh, I'll get a little bit more into, into that later here, but just, just overall the slate, you're going to easily be able to make really nice looking optimal lineups that, you know, have a really high floor of, you know, taking advantage of the other people who are making uh, unoptimal or maybe, you know, more contrarian style lineups and just playing the safe stuff. And, you know, you could probably, you know, you don't even have to run that many contests to hedge with the different studs up top and, you know, mix them in with the values at the bottom you can have a nice, safe approach. If you win a tournament, you're going to be tying with a bunch of buddies. But, hey, it's a safe way to go about it. There's no way that you're losing you know, too much doing that strategy. And then you have the other hand, which is a bit more dangerous, but probably more optimal if you're here to win and win uncontested. And that is contrarianism. You've... I think there's a lot of value out there uh, in taking some contrarian plays this week that uh, the optimizers are absolutely not going to recommend. And, uh, you know, there, there's definitely a lower chance of them hitting across the board. But um, if they do hit, then you're going to have some serious lever leverage on the field. And it just seems like a really good week to do that as well. Um, and there are two main reasons here. First off, of course, uh, it's a completely different Darlington race than we're used to. Usually, we have the Darlington race in the fall, and it's usually a night race, and we usually have lots and lots of weekly racing leading up to this point. This is completely different. We've had two months of absolutely no racing. Um, for most of that time, uh, there were no wrenches being turned at all. Not allowed to work in the shops. They've only been allowed to work on the cars over, like, the last week or so. Uh, so, insanely different. Like, the track temperatures are going to be in the 80s, uh, which in the racing world means, you know, slicker surfaces. Um, it's going to look completely different. It's going to look bleached out. It's not going to look like the Darlington that we're used to. And again, we're used to a Darlington where it's a night race, You've had the truck series, the Xfinity series racing, uh, putting rubber down on the track. You know, it's it's just going to run completely differently. And it's going to be really kind of I, sort of chaotic and random. Although there are definitely more chaotic and random types of tracks like your Talladegas and your Daytonas. Uh, and even stuff like Bristol with all the lap traffic and stuff. Now, usually Darlington is a very predictable track, a very, very 
um, one line or one groove track, you know, with the outside line very much being the preferred line. And usually guys race single file constantly. Very, very, very hard to gain track position. Um, it's kind of a more boring race. And if you're out in front, you just lead forever uh, until there's a, a shakeup, usually on pit road. Um, that's honestly where the most of the races won and lost is on pit road. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how Darlington usually works out. But again, it's completely different, you know, with the, uh, the circumstances here, the completely different type of Darlington race. And then, um, try to go back to my original point I was making here. Um, see, it's going to be a completely different Darlington race. And again, if you're, if you're taking these shots on guys, you know, the, the more unoptimal plays here, the guys that overqualify, the guys that are going to be low-owned, the guys in kind of shaky circumstances, um, if you win, you're going to win and probably win by yourself with a unique lineup. Uh, it's very likely to happen. Maybe not if you use just one contrarian play and then a bunch of chalk plays, and you might have a few guys with you. But if you get kind of weird with it and put yourself in suboptimal situations, I mean... You know, most of the time, you'll probably lose. I mean, you should be expecting to lose money ultimately, but the guys that are going to win the tournaments most likely are going to be these guys taking uh, these shots on oddball type plays, making some silly lineups. Uh, so, again, you could either go that way or you could go the safe way and just enjoy a race, hedge out on the safe plays, and you'll do pretty well. I think that you'll honestly do pretty well. There are a lot of guys out there making uh, some mistakes, and I'm pretty sure that there are going to be a lot of people uh, in you know the large mass multi-entry GPPs uh, that are just making a lot of the same types of lineups. So again, different ways that you can attack this. I personally think the way to go about it is situationally contest to contest. Um, I've got a few theories I like to adhere to. Uh, I like putting hand-built lineups in optimizer tournaments. So I'm looking at that 50 cent mini max, uh, the, the $10, you know, anything that's 150 max, like the lug nut. Those are really, really good spots to put hand-built lineups in, I think. Um, and because, you know, it, I've been tracking the ownership of these types of tournaments for a while. And, you know, the 20 max and especially like the three max and the single entry tournaments, their ownership is going to look one way while the optimizer tournaments are going to look kind of another way. So the guys that the optimizers are loving this week, you're going to want to uh, play those guys. I think in those kind of hand buildy type tournaments, um, although for single entry, I do like taking contrarian stances because in single entry, the chalk is like overwhelmingly chalk. You know, there, there are guys that pop out to you on the game log when you're hand-building um, as being good plays, and I try to avoid those guys in those single-entry, three-max entries. Uh, but on the other side, you know, you have guys that, if you're hand-building a lineup, you would skip right over because they either have an atrocious game log, or they're just starting too high and it's hard to plug them in, or they're in a dead zone of salary where there are just better plays underneath them. Those are the kind of plays that I would honestly be attacking in those kinds of tournaments. And, um, you know, in the optimizer tournaments, 
I would try to look for guys optimizers just wouldn't really use. And then in cash games, um, hybrid type games, uh, and then like the 20 maxes, that's probably where I would play your very optimal, safe kind of lineups. I think that's where those have the best uh, shot at success at. But yeah, there are lots of different ways you can approach this race. Um, there are going to be less laps here than usual. Uh, we usually have 367 laps here, uh, but it's been reduced to 293. We'll have the mandatory competition caution. And like I was saying earlier, the starting order... They don't. Ha they won't have any qualifying. They won't have any practice. So that's another thing that's that's kind of huge this week. That adds to that randomness, you know. Um, so they're going to have no practice time out there, and the qualifying is not based on any sort of skill. You know, they're not going to be trimming out their cars for qualifying, I and mean, they're not really touching their cars for the most part. Uh, but they're they're basically randomly drawn on Thursday. Uh, in segments of 12. So, like the top 12 are randomly placed around. Uh, then like 13th through 24th and 25th through 36th. Uh, those are just randomly selected. So like Keselowski is on the pole. Doesn't have anything to do with Keselowski. His name was just drawn out of a hat. So that's another thing that's going to add to a bit of the randomness. You know, you got some guys that seriously overqualified like Di Benedetto in third or Almirola in fifth. Um, especially like LaJoy, he's in like 17th, I think. He's in uh, 19th. Bubba Wallace in 17th. Those guys, they overqualified massively just because they had their name drawn out of a hat. So um, another thing that's going to be adding to the randomness here, but um, it's not like any other Dar or Darlington race like we've seen before. You know, usually the main thing we're focusing on at Darlington are the throwback paint schemes. Like last year, William Byron won the pole with the Cole Trickle mellow yellow car. I mean, how cool is that? Um, that's usually the main point of concern at that point of the season where it's just, you know, weekly races, um, just kind of doing your thing. This this is completely different. Um, yeah, just an absolutely different circumstance here that we're in. And we're going to have to kind of attack it differently than we'd be used to. Um, so if you're looking at other tracks or other races to, you know, make your decisions based off of, there aren't many. Usually we would just look at, um, intermediate tracks, uh, cause in NASCAR, um, they have different packages for different types of races and usually they can be separated into four groups. You have your short track package, which is different this year. Uh, they race that. In the Phoenix race, so we can largely ignore the last race that they did, the Phoenix race. Um, I like kind of fading the guys that popped off really good there, <clears throat> there in the game logs, because completely different package, different car, uh, more horsepower, um, totally different. We're in a package that we switched to um, recently for the 1.5 miles, well, and anything above a mile is in this package here, but. Um, it's the, the tapered spacer, reduced horsepower uh, package. We race those at the super speedways as well. Again, I'll go back to the uh, the four different types of tracks here. You got your short tracks in that package. You got your super speedway, uh, which is in the package that we're using currently for this race, but 
you know, Talladega and Daytona, the super speedways, they race completely differently because they're large, uh, large packs and they're drafting off each other. And those results are usually pretty random, um, actually uh, insanely random compared to uh, the predictability of other races because you've got like horrible drivers that will base that will like finish top ten that would never ever have a chance to finish top ten in any other type of race, and you've got the large wrecks that take out a big chunk of the field. So you got the super speedways. Uh, again, Daytona. You can look at Daytona game logs. Uh, you can pretty much toss that out completely. The results of Daytona do not matter for this race at all. It does not matter that Hamlin won at Daytona. That has no bearing on this race. And then the other one, of course, is road courses, which, you know, they have right turns. So uh, the difference should be pretty clear there. Uh, they have like a zero degree banking because it's, you know, a road course. So uh, we're going to be wanting to look at intermediate tracks. We've only been to two intermediate tracks so far this year. And both of them are very, very different than Darlington. Um, Darlington is a very high tire wear track. And we did see somewhat a somewhat similar sort of race in the most recent one we went to at Auto Club Speedway, also known as Fontana. Um, but that, that's a completely different track because it's not only is it two miles uh, long, so it's a larger track with you know only 200 laps. Uh, but it's also wide open, which Darlington absolutely is not. You can race several different lines at Auto Club. Uh, at Darlington, there's one line. So you got that, and you've got the Las Vegas track to look at. Now, Auto Club had a similar kind of tire wear, similar uh, um, grip level, which they have at a 4 out of 10. Uh, Las Vegas' grip level is like an 8 out of 10. A very grippy track. Uh, this... This is not going to be a grippy race uh, whatsoever here. It's going to be very, very slick, especially with the hot track surfaces, uh, with them racing in the daytime in the upper 80s. Uh, so, you know, the other race you can look to is Las Vegas. But, you know, keep in mind the Auto Club and Las Vegas from this year, um, it's kind of all we have to look at. So you got to kind of take what you can out of those races. But at the same time, they, they were a few months ago. They're both out on the West Coast. We're back on the East Coast here. And they just, uh, you know, they're totally different kinds of tracks. Usually the track that I would use, um, and it's also the the track that correlates statistically with Darlington the most, is Richmond. Um, you could possibly try looking at Richmond of last year, but again, you're kind of going back a little bit far. The other race you can look at is the most recent Darlington race. Usually this is a race that takes place late in the season, so it wasn't that long ago that we were at Darlington. Uh, but again, that was a night race, uh, different circumstances. They had grip on, or you know, they had rubber on the track. So basically, there is a statistical shortage here, uh, and we're going to have to go off of just some other things. That's why, honestly, I I kind of like attacking ownership more than I like predicting the race, if you know what I mean. Um, there aren't any clear dominators up top, so it's. I think the way to go is just to kind of mix and match up top and just take some stands in some certain spots. Um, but yeah, if this was a different track besides Darlington, I'd definitely be all about getting super funky and weird with it, but uh, Darlington actually is one of the tracks where 
even though usually you want to take the guys in the rear, uh, the guys in the front score significantly better than the guys that start in the rear at Darlington. It's very, very, very hard uh, to gain track position. And also guys that have a, very, a high season average driver rating uh, do exceptionally well here. So like the best of the best cars and the cars starting at front, they have a distinct advantage here. Um, of course, that doesn't mean that guys can't you know, move up, especially if they're seriously underqualified in the first place. Uh, it's just going to be way harder for them to than it usually would be. Um, another thing that we've got here we can look at is um, on the research station uh, available at dfsarmy.com, promo code TACO. Um, you can look at the average lead laps uh, from the pole sitter. They average 107 lead laps. So that's not bad. Of course, it'll be a little bit less uh, on average or expected here with, you know, about 60 or 70 less laps scheduled. Uh, but still nice to uh, to look at there. The guy starting in the top five overall, uh, they do extremely well. They average 50.8 fantasy points uh, and they break uh, 50 fantasy points 40% of the time. In position six through 10, they break 40 fantasy points 50% of the time. So the top 10 really is a way to go here. And then there's kind of a steep fall off after that. Like guys starting 26th or worse, they break 40 fantasy points less than 10% of the time. Uh, there actually hasn't been anybody starting 36th or worse that's broken 40 fantasy points at Darlington since 2013, which is when this generation of cars started. Uh, so it's going to be, you know, compared to some other tracks, the guys starting at the very rear, rear of the field are not optimal. I would not be all over them like I would be at uh, most other tracks, to be quite frank. This is one of, this is almost like an exception sort of race where you really, really do want to attack the guys starting in the front of the field, even though they're, you know, are, the guys starting in the rear usually have more upside. Um, you just don't really see that. There's a, a lot of the safety actually comes from the guys in the front. You know, the incident rate isn't really that big. Um, and then also another thing you've got to think about this week is that teams teams are very important. Uh, the teams, I think, are going to correlate with each other pretty well. Uh, you can look on DraftKings Sportsbook, and you can actually see the odds by team and uh, JGR Toyotas, they have a clear, distinct. Uh, uh, they're the favorites overall, uh, just slightly over uh, Stuart Haas, Penske, and Hendrick, which are all tied at about like four to one each. Uh, but uh, teams are going to be important this week. If you are on an underfunded team, I mean, think about it like this: like NASCAR teams were kind of struggling as it was. Uh, before this, uh, you know, this coronavirus pandemic started to happen, um, think about now. Now these these lower end teams are, tr are they've got to be drastically trying to cut costs um, by any means necessary. I, I'd be really really scared to use a non name brand sort of uh, team here. You know, I'm definitely going to want to stick to JGR. Penske, Stuart Haas, Hendrick, um, Chip Ganassi, I kind of split on them. Kurt Busch obviously is going to be a really good play this week, uh, but they also brought in Matt Kenseth to replace Kyle Larson, who had a heated gamer moment and uh, lost his sponsorship, lost his job, 
lost his spot with Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, he's being replaced by Matt Kenseth, who has not raced since the 2018 season, where he was brought in mid-season to race part-time, sharing the number six ride with Trevor Bain, which uh, now is being driven by the, the returning Ryan Newman, coming back off of injury after his devastating crash in Daytona. Um, the thing with Kenseth here, he, he did win here in 2013. He has an awesome track record here. Uh, and the Vegas books are, like, his number is insanely high. I definitely would not recommend betting him. Um, it's it's kind of an avoid situation for me. Not only is Kenseth getting into a car that he has no practice in whatsoever, has no, you know, it's all set up for Kyle Larson, but this is the first time he's ever driven a Chevy in the NASCAR Cup Series. You know, he had a long storied history with Roush uh, driving Fords there. And then he finished his career in the 20 car for JGR, which is now Eric Jones, uh, and had some good years there. That's where he won. I, I, I do believe his win in 2013 uh, might have actually came with Roush there, but I know his final uh, several seasons. He was with JGR, and he was a top uh, top tier kind of driver. You know, he's he's always been one of the best drivers in NASCAR. But uh, coming back, being so rusty, having not driven for years now, uh, it's just a that's a situation I'm going to avoid. It's not a sneaky play. I think it's a stupid play, and it kind of you know kind of wraps back around into the general theory for the slate. Um, you know. You've got some situations like Daniel Suarez, for example. If this was a normal week, you have Daniel Suarez starting at 37th. He was on a top-tier team for the last few years. He was on Stuart Haas Racing last year. Finished 11th. Had a pretty had a pretty good race here at Darlington. Now he is in like garbage-tier equipment, but he's starting back in 37th. If it was a normal week and it was all NASCAR regulars then I think that Suarez would actually be kind of an underrated play here. But now, you know, with uh, a lot of uninformed people looking at Suarez starting 37th, and then they'll also look at a stat sheet and see, oh, hey, he finished 11th here last year. I think a lot of people are going to plug him in, and probably too many people are going to plug him in to the point where it becomes a bad play. And I think finding a balance between good contrarian play and kind of bad stupid play finding that balance is going to be the key to this slate i think ultimately and i'll go driver by driver breaking down exactly what i think about each of them on the fa- on the fast 40 podcast which of course you can find at dfsarmy.com promo code taco gets you 20 percent off for life and um yeah this is pretty much all i wanted to say about uh, this slate coming up. The contests are amazing. Um, definitely go check it out. Uh, this is def- this is going to be a fun race. Uh, so many eyes are going to be on the sport. And I think, you know, if you just play it safe, stuff like cash and, uh, you know, smaller tournaments are very, very winnable. It's going to be, you know, easier than usual to make a little profit here. But, again, you got to get weird with it if you want to win the big, big five, six-digit prizes this week, and you've got to be willing to lose in order to win. That makes sense. So um, for you VIP guys, I'll see you on the Fast 40 pod, which I'm about to start here soon. Um, for everyone else, you know, if you want to check us out, dfsarmy.com. Uh, 
told you that a few times by now, but of course that's the point here. Um, getting you guys excited and corralled for that. And you can also find me on Twitter at Taco DFS and, uh, enjoy the return of racing here. Hope nothing happens. Hope we're able to, you know, have, have these races go off picture perfect. Hope everything goes beautifully. And we've got like seven races in 11 days. going to be tons of content being pumped out. Domination stations up, notes, all that. Uh, so get on in there and let's go racing, boys. Boogity boogity. I will see you guys later.